Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, August 11th, 2020, and it is game day for the Vegas Golden Knights. Tonight is game one of round one against the Chicago Blackhawks. The top seed of Golden Knights will begin their journey to the Stanley Cup in year three. And it's about to go down tonight. Welcome back, everybody. I am Danny Webster. I am your host, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode, which is going to be a rather long one. So not much talking by me at the top today. We're just going to give you the rundown of the lineup. And for the remainder of the show, it is going to be a discussion with a four-person discussion, I should say, along with myself, Justin Emerson of the Las Vegas Sun, and Dave Shane and Ben Goats of the Las Vegas Review Journal. We talked for about, I want to say, close to 40 minutes yesterday about any and everything we could about this series. And then we also had a discussion about the draft lottery in which, uh, if you saw what I posted on Twitter last night, uh, Ben explains why the Minnesota Wild don't have nice things. So it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy that discussion. It's pretty much going to take us through the entire show. So hope you all enjoy that one. But first, before we get to that, uh, we do need to talk about some lineup news that was just handed down not too long ago. As Pete DeBoer has made it official tonight in net, it will be Robin Leonard starting game one for the Golden Knights. Mark Andre Fleury will be the backup. And as far as the forwards and the D pairs go, the only change that is seen is that it does look like that Tomas Nosek will be a healthy scratch, meaning that the bottom six could be shuffled up a little bit. And as it was brought to my attention via Twitter, uh, based on the videos that the Golden Knights released yesterday, which I did not get a chance to see, it looks like the lineup will look like this. Uh, William Carlson centering the top line with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. The second line being Paul Stasny centering with Jonathan Marshall and Riley Smith. The third line is going to be a little bit interesting. From what I have gathered, it does appear that Chandler Stevenson will be centering the third line with Nick Cousins and Alex Tuck. So another third line combination that hopefully for the Golden Knights pays off. And the fourth line looks to be Nicholas Waugh centering with William Carrier and Ryan Reeves. So that is your forward core. D pairs are expected to be the same. Brady McNabb, Nate Schmidt, Alec Martinez, Shea Theodore, Nick Holden, and Zach white clouds so that is your look at the lines tonight for the golden knights as they prepare to take on the chicago blackhawks in game number one of their western conference first round series puck drop is set for 7 30 tonight the game will be broadcast locally on at&t sportsnet for those of you not in the las vegas area or in the rocky mountain area in general uh, the game will be nationally televised on NBC Sports Network. And reminder that Game 2 and Game 4 will also be carried locally. Game 3 of this series will be on NBC. So I'm going to be looking at that third line tonight. And we kind of, in my chat with Dave, Ben, and Justin yesterday, I did bring up the third and fourth line and see if how much of an impact that would be. But if the third line is going to be Cousins, Stevenson, Tuck, I am very interested to see how that line goes. 
I'm very interested to see how well they generate offense. I'm going to be interested in seeing how well they are on the defensive side. Because I think going into camp, I did like the idea of Cousins centering the fourth line with Carrier and Reeves just because you want three guys who will get in your face and just yell your face off. I'm going to be interested to see how Cousins handles this. I I think this is considered a promotion. I think he deserves it given his play. I thought Cousins was doing very well uh, for the Golden Knights during the exhibition and during the round robin. But maybe Nick Waugh was the odd man out. It did appear that Waugh struggled at times, and maybe this is the chance for Cousins to, uh, to play his way to a new contract, so to speak, heading into next season. Again, he is an RFA. Uh, after the Golden Knights acquired him from the Canadians at the trade deadline. So I'll be interested to see how that third line looks. And again, I will be very interested to see how Max Pacioretty looks in his first game action uh, in basically since March. This is the first time we've seen him. He did not play in the round robin, obviously. He did not play in the exhibition. So we be very interested to see how he looks after all this time off. But overall... It's time to get excited. It's time to get excited about playoff hockey. It's been a long time coming. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. The Golden Knights are the top seed. They wanted the easiest path to get to the Stanley Cup final, and this is the way it starts. This is how it starts, and it starts with a matchup against the recently three-time champions, Stanley Cup champions, the Chicago Blackhawks. So uh, with that being said, we will turn it over to my discussion with Justin Everson, Dave Shane, and Ben Goes. Again, a very long discussion, so that's why it's not going to be much me talking going forward, and we're not going to do any closeout segment. So pretty much when the discussion ends, we will play the music out, and that will be the end of that. So before we get out of here, usually I'll just tell you, you know, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. You can send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com if that is exactly what you feel like doing if you feel like doing that then that is cool with me all right so that will do it for me for today the rest of the show will be this four part this four person discussion and it was a lot of fun to talk with these guys and i hope you all enjoyed so thank you guys have a good day we will see you back for game two tomorrow night or not tomorrow night game two will be on thursday but we'll be back tomorrow to break down game one you, you get what i'm saying until then i am danny webster this has been lachlan golden knights part of lockdown podcast network i'll see you tomorrow for game one recap have a good day all right and we're back to discuss playoff hockey for the well now third year in a row for the golden knights like it feels like it's been three years since we've watched a hockey game even though we watched one last week i guess i don't know this, this these are the times we live in but uh i did need to get some people to discuss golden knights blackhawks with me and you have all heard these three on the pod before two of them have not been on the pod in about 25 years the other one has been on the pod recently since the trade deadline so it, so it all works out uh justin emerson of the las vegas sun and ben goats and dave shane of the review journal gentlemen how are you doing good <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> doing doing so good. Very excited that it's been uh, 25 years since I've been on, which means I was a real, real talkative baby. 
Yeah. I, I, and you know what? And the funny thing is we were in a bar when that happened and I don't think that's legal. So I, I think uh, we've covered all our bases as far as uh, that goes, but yeah. It's been 25 years. I think that means Dave was like, what, 30, 35 the last time? Oh, Jesus. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and the noise you heard is Dave walking Holy off cow. angrily off the stands. <laughs> Hi, Dave. It's good to see you. Yeah, so we're going like that, huh? Oh, boy. I didn't, I didn't think we were going to need fisticuffs on this episode, but you know Play what? like intensity on the podcast. Good God. Good, good God. You know what? Thank God they're not playing the Coyotes because uh, Justin would be playing the role of Nick Schmaltz and uh, Dave would be Ryan Reeves right now. This would yeah. not be going over. Very well. Yeah, I'm, I only have the muscles to say that because it's over a Zoom. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll have you. I'll have you know. I got I got carded when I bought my booze last week. So you Atta know, boy. I'll, boy. I'll tell you how I can how I can get it. You know. <laughs> oh my god you know what i'm seeing a lot more carding going on a lot lately i mean totally off topic but i was at a i was at a i was at smith's the other day and there was this there was this gentleman he had to be like he had he had gray hair he looked to be in his you know mid 40s early 50s and uh he got he started yelling at the poor cashier who looked like she was in her early 20s because uh she carded him and I, I didn't know how that was going to end. So I quickly exited the establishment because I did not want to be a part of that any further. Um, but again, these are the times we live in. And the times we live in are bubble hockey with no fans. But alas, oh, we have playoff hockey to discuss. Uh, the Golden Knights will be taking on the Blackhawks. At the time recording this is Monday, but it'll be going up Tuesday. So it'll be today at 730 uh, game one between the Golden Knights and the Blackhawks. At the time we were recording this, there is no uh, game one starter, but would it be fair to say that we know who's going to start game one? It, in net? Yeah, it's Oscar Dansk. That I figured, yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, in all seriousness, I, I, I think it's got to be Robin Leonard at this point, mm-hmm. not just in the way that he played in the round robin, but I mean, I said it at the trade deadline on on this show, Danny, that I think that that Robin Leonard's been the better goalie for two years. I don't think that anything has really changed my opinion of that over the last couple of weeks or months. And uh, Pete DeBoer doesn't necessarily have that loyalty to Flurry that Gerard Gallant may have. Um, I think it, I think it should be Leonard. And right now, if I had to put some money on it, I would guess that it, that it will be Leonard. So it's interesting because you know not to like spell out which way I think it's necessarily going to go because the Knights obviously haven't officially said that Pete DeBoer is trying to play that close to the vest, which is his right to, you know, try to pull some wool over the Blackhawks' eyes before a playoff series. But the Blackhawks definitely, from the Zooms I've listened to, seem to think it's Robin Leonard. They have clearly been instructed not to try to, you know, trash talk their former teammate or anything like that, but they certainly seem like they're preparing for him. And so I certainly think that's notable that, uh, you know, we can kind of talk and speculate all we want, but the Blackhawks certainly seem to have a high opinion of Robin Leonard and are kind of expecting to see a lot of him this series. And even, you know, broadcasters, you listen to the NBC broadcast from mm-hmm. the night's last round robin game against Colorado, they were all pretty pro Leonard. So if the Knights, you know, are trying their best to try to keep this an open competition and an open secret uh, in terms of, you know, the rest of the NHL, doesn't seem like they're doing a, a fabulous job of it. I think what's interesting for me is during the summer and, you know, kind of after the pause, I was like, Flurry has to start because you risk losing the locker room. He's been the guy and kind of all the intangibles, I guess, that, that come with it. 
and then I've watched the last three weeks, and I'm like, <laughs> how can you not go with Leonard? Like, even it's, – it's weird because I watch practices, and I don't notice a lot of those types of things. And even I've noticed how much – or how, I guess, badly Leonard has outplayed Flurry. I don't know, you know how you'd phrase that, but it's been obvious even to me, whether it's been practice, scrimmage, games. He's been the better goalie. So I think if you – my concerns before about, you know, you risk losing the locker room or all of that, I think everybody can kind of see at this point he's the hot hand. He's probably the guy you got to go with. But, you know, this this franchise has surprised me before. <laughs> you never know. Um, yeah, but, like, I think to build off what Justin said, like, they didn't bring him in to design cool goalie pads. <laughs> he was brought in to play. So – it's hard to imagine him just playing Sunday on a back-to-back or something like that. It, it just doesn't – the way this is all going doesn't add up like that. It doesn't feel that way at this point. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with that. And I think that, like you said, they didn't bring him in to design good, cool goalie pads. <laughs> I like that line. But it's almost like if – I almost feel like if they knew that Flurry was going to be the guy and they were 100% certain, like, did they get too good of an insurance policy at the trade deadline? Like, would they have gotten – like, I understand wanting to improve on Malcolm Subban as your backup option, but they got a guy that created not just a capable backup, but a full-on goalie controversy. So, I don't know. I, I agree that they, did, they didn't go out and they didn't trade, you know, Malcolm Subban in the second-round pick for a guy who's not going to play a playoff game. Well, I mean, Kelly McCrimmon told us today that they didn't feel that they were getting enough production out of Subban. And bluntly, might I add, the way that he said it was that it was like... Right. Stick those quotes in Malcolm Subban blocker, Blackhawks. <laughs> oh, they're, they're going to come in handy when Malcolm Subban plays against Flurry in game four on that back-to-back, which, you know, by the way, that that's going to be a very interesting situation. I, I actually wanted to ask that. How... What do we think about this whole back-to-back thing, especially the way that these games are kind of are stagnated on Saturday and Sunday? You got a five o'clock puck drop on Saturday, and you got a three thirty puck drop on Sunday. So by the time you get done with the game, you got less than twenty-four hours to turn it around. And so, like Kelly McCrimmon said, you have three and four days. It's not just the back-to-back; it's it's all of that issue to to consider. I mean, it's a tough it's a tough turnaround for a goalie. You almost are backed into a corner where you have to play a second guy. I mean, we saw it in the first round, like he mentioned Carolina. Um, I feel like somebody else did that too. Didn't, uh, didn't somebody else come, come on a back-to-back with a second goalie? During I, that? Know that it, I know that in their back-to-back, Arizona went with Kemper every game and Nashville went with Saros and that yeah. one seemed to work out okay. Yeah. I mean, as far as the back-to-back goes, like it happens – during the season all the time like they play 12 back-to-backs over the course of a season so yes it's weird to have it in the playoffs but it's not that weird to play three games in four nights um so I I don't think it's I guess answering Danny's question I don't think it's that big of a deal and maybe they get the goalie in but especially I mean if they're up 3-0 you know give the guy a rest but if it's 2-1 or whatever or even if they're down I I don't know I'm just I guess I'm not a hundred percent convinced that they are going to play both goalies I still think there's a possibility that they could stick with one guy and ride it but uh probably they do but I wouldn't be surprised if they just go with one guy the whole time yeah the biggest thing for the back-to-backs to me is just the fact that they don't have to travel anywhere right which just makes everything so much easier for these guys I mean Nate Schmidt said today on the zoom call we were on that you know being a 
you know, quote unquote road team now means just going to another bench. <laughs> it's just so much easier compared to, you know, we've seen plenty of back-to-backs than uh, some of us on this call have had to like cover those back-to-backs where they're in one city one night and then you have to fly to another city the next night and then all of a sudden adjust your routine, maybe be in a different time zone and still figure out a way to amp yourself up in time for another puck drop 24 hours later. Here it's a little bit more chill where you have the same hotel room each night, you're staying in the same time zone. I think it's going to be a little bit easier on these guys' bodies. Now, I would still totally sympathize if they would say that they don't love it, but as a hockey fan, I think having all of these series kind of in this condensed you know, time frame and hopefully having multiple games in the same day is just an awesome treat for all the people watching at home. Yeah, because you know that that dreaded travel day of going from one bench to the other is absolutely weighing on everyone's mind at this point because that's <laughs> that's a, that's such a long trek. I honestly don't know how they're going to handle that going from one bench to the other, but you know it is what it is. But one thing I wanted to bring up, and I think Justin asked this question yesterday on the Zoom call, and I've been thinking about it for the last couple of days, especially actually even more in the Edmonton series. I've been thinking about it. How much should we weigh? the veteran leadership and the championship pedigree of Chicago, because I think it was on display in the Edmonton series, if not for the fact that, you know, maybe starting Mike Smith aside in game one, other than that, I thought Chicago completely not, not dominated, but they definitely seemed like the more savvy, smarter team in that series, if that makes any sense. So how much should we weigh that in this series? Well, let Justin take it since he was the one who asked the question, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll – I mean, I just opportunity to plug. I wrote that story for The Sun uh, for the Sun just uh, yesterday, and it was uh, – I, I don't think it super matters. And that's what I wanted to ask because everybody talks about how important the rings in the room kind of thing is. And, and DeBoer kind of said that the Blackhawks have that, but it's not like the Golden Knights are super green. I mean, Fleury has three rings. Alec Martinez has two. Stevenson and McNabb have both won one. And – all you know almost all of them were in the Stanley Cup final two years ago so they all know what it's like to play in the playoffs and um, you know yes Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and Duncan Keith have won three cups together and there's something to be said for that but I think that the Golden Knights are just a better team and if it was a bunch of 18 year olds maybe I'd be a little bit worried but this is you know the fourth oldest team in the league that were that's still left in the playoffs I think I saw today so as far as that goes, I don't, I don't think it matters that much. I also think it's really easy to focus on the big names in Chicago, Taves, Kane, Keith, uh, even Crawford, who won two out of their three cups. But the rest of their roster is actually really, really young. Um, I looked at hockey reference the other day. They were the 16th oldest team in the NHL this year, so they're basically right in the middle. That's because they have a ton of young guys like Dominique Kubelik, uh, Kirby Doc, their uh, number three overall draft pick just a year ago that the Knights are going to see a lot of this series. So it's not like uh, the Blackhawks have, you know, head-to-toe depth uh, and experience all over the place. They have a lot of young guys that are still kind of breaking in and uh, finding their kind of niche in the NHL. So, you know, I actually think probably, you know, if you take kind of overall the Knights' experience as a group, they probably outweigh the Chicago Blackhawks. It's just so easy to focus on, okay, Jonathan Tays, three-time cup winner, captain, you know, has won a bunch of international tournaments as well, kind of this ultimate champion. Um, and forget that a lot of the guys that he's playing with don't necessarily carry the same pedigree he does. 
and as far as that goes, the Golden Knights don't have that many young guys. It's Zach Whitecloud and Nicholas Waugh are the only guys who hadn't played in a playoff game. They've already both scored playoff goals, and it's not like they're being asked to play huge minutes. So, yeah, to Ben's point, you're right. The Golden Knights might be more experienced than Chicago. I mean, I, I feel it's not – I don't know. I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth. I feel it's a little bit like Pittsburgh, you know? Like, oh, they've got all the Stanley Cup pedigree and, and all this. Well, it's Crosby, it's Malkin, it's Latang, Murray, you know. But, like, they have so much turnover. Like, how much experience, I guess, do they really have? Because I, I agree with you, Danny. I think it showed up for the Blackhawks in that series against Edmonton. And I think, to some extent, maybe the P- Pittsburgh's lack of experience, I guess you could say, showed up in, in their series. Like, yeah, Crosby and, and whatever, but he can only do so much. And like you said, like you guys have said, I mean, this is a team that was in the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. And there's been turnover and there's different guys and, and all that, but the core's been there. And it, it, if, if we were having the argument of young and dumb versus, you know, experience and, and whatever, and is it, you know, is it better to just, you know, have that, that youth is ignorant sort of thing and not know any better? I mean, that's not the case here because the Golden Knights have that experience. So, I mean, I do feel like it's it's a little bit of like a red herring um, or kind of a straw man argument, you know, with, with how experienced they are. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that too. Uh, one question I wanted to because I know we've been very Blackhawks heavy here, but um, how much pressure is on this team to at least get out of this round? Like, are we talking about if they don't get out of the first round, things just completely fall apart? Or are we at the point where it's just like, well, this was a crazy situation, crazy season, chalk it up as to another playoff appearance, but another first round exit and move on to next year? Like, where are we at with this? I mean, I don't know if the Knights could necessarily blow things up if things go south, just because they're pretty hot committed to this group of guys. They have a lot of long-term contracts that, you know, if they want to make a significant shape up would be very hard to move because of the flat cap that they're going to be dealing with this off season and potentially a couple off seasons to come. But I mean, obviously it would be incredibly disappointing for this team to lose in the first round. Uh, we heard Kelly McCrimmon talk about it today that he thinks this might be, you know, kind of just, you know, collection of talent wise, this might be the best group that the Knights have had so far. Now, maybe they don't quite measure up to some of the intangibles that that inaugural group had, especially that kind of, chip on the shoulder, golden misfits attitude that they were to bring into the playoffs. But I mean, top to bottom, this is a very talented and deep team, a team that I think, you know, anybody who's watched hockey for a long time knows is really, really hard to put together. It's really hard to have a group where you feel confident that you have three potential scoring lines on this team and then a fourth line that can do a pretty good job too. And then one through six on the blue line, they, they aren't bad either. And not to mention you have a Vesna Trophy finalist last year in net and a three-time Stanley Cup winner potentially being his backup if Leonard does get the nod and Flurry uh, is on the bench. So it's just top to bottom. It's a really good roster. And like I said, you know, teams like this don't come around very often. So if this group can't even get out of the first round, I think that has to be considered a pretty massive disappointment. I think it's 100% a disappointment. I don't know if you blow it up. I agree with Ben. Um I mean, like you said, Kelly McCrimmon basically has kind of admitted they have a closing window or, or it's a short window. And I think that the trade for Leonard and everything that he said about Malcolm Subban 
kind of reflects that. They feel like they have the roster to win now. And everything about getting Leonard and making sure that, you know, if something happened to Flurry or if Leonard outplays him, whatever it might be, that, that they're in position to go for it now. And clearly they didn't foresee the situation that we're in and playing in a bubble in Edmonton and doing all those sorts of things. But what hasn't changed is that they felt like they were a Stanley Cup contender now. So if you get don't get out of the first round, especially against a team when you have the quote-unquote easiest path, yeah. of course it's a disappointment. But I don't know that – I guess the counter to that is are they in the same situation if they lose as like Nashville where you're like, oh, we're clearly fine and we have to do something. I don't, I don't think you can equate those two. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you, Dave. I think it's, you know, good teams lose in the first round every year. The Lightning lost last year. I mean, I think that the Golden Knights losing in the first round uh, isn't cause to blow it up. It's, you know, the dirty secret is that hockey is very random. And the playoffs, anything can happen. If they play bad four out of seven times, they're out of the playoffs. I think the bigger thing is the opponent that they're facing. And this is a team that they are so much clearly better than that it would be a disappointment to not make it out of the first round. Uh, it's going to be, honestly, I think it'll be hard pressed for them to not beat the Blackhawks, but uh, yeah, we'll see. And to blow it up, what, what are you going to blow up? Who are you going to trade? What are you going to do? There's not a whole lot you can do. So in a lot of cases, you just, you know, seven games is not a big enough sample size to determine that this entire season was a failure, especially when you just look great against the best teams in the Western conference. So I wouldn't, you know, if you lose, it sucks. It's a disappointment, but you're not going to make wholesale organizational changes over what happens in a two week span. Or yeah. you shouldn't. No, no, I completely agree. But I mean, this is the same organization that we woke up on seven 30 in the morning on July or January 15th and saw that they made a crazy coaching change. And we thought that that was the craziest thing we saw. And then a month later they, tr- they trade for one of the best goalies on the market. So every, everything I feel is on the table at this point <laughs> but, the, the, the difference though to those i think both of those moves were kind of proactive to try to get everybody going i mean this isn't an organization that's really reactive i think and yeah. that trying to make some big changes after losing four games to chicago would be a very reactive move and i don't think that's really in georgia kelly's dna that's, that's that's a good point i think that's a good point yeah, yeah that's a really good point by the way, I, I, I'm on the record saying they're winning in five, so it's not like I'm saying that they're going to lose and blow everything up. But, yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement they'll probably win this series uh, at, at least fairly handily five, maybe six. I, I think Chicago will give them a fight in some regard. Um, one more thing before – I totally forgot to even bring this up because it's not like they just played three games without their leading scorer on the team and just averaged five goals per game in that stretch, but they did, and Max Pacioretty is back and – uh, supposedly going to be on the top line. And, I mean, we we can obviously say what he means to this team when he's at, when he's 100% and what this team looks like with him at full strength. My question, what do they do about uh, the bottom six? Because I, I'm very intrigued at what they're going to do, who they're going to line up where. Has Nick Cousins kind of bump Chandler Stevenson down to the fourth line by the way of his play, or do we need to see Chandler Stevenson on the third line to kind of assess that group together to see if they can make an impact? Like, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, I certainly think Nick Cousins has earned a a pretty sizable role with how he's performed uh, in that third line spot so far. I mean, I thought he's one of the standouts of kind of the round robin and obviously of the exhibition game as well, where he had three points, but 
I think he really might work best as center for that fourth line. I thought, you know, that group had something going during training camp where all three of them uh, can just be pests on the opposing team. And, you know, <laughs> hearing Pete DeBoer kind of talk about them, that's something that he really wants is he'll have three scoring lines. And then that fourth line that just annoying to play against and can wear down the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, which will be important in this series because, you know, we've kind of mentioned the Blackhawks certainly don't have the depth of the night. So if that fourth line is able to kind of grind those guys down, that would be huge. And then I really want to see what Stevenson could do with uh, Tuck and Nicholas Croix. I mean, Tuck was definitely one of the night's uh, most interesting players going into this restart. Everyone was wondering whether he'd be able to rebound after a really rough season for him. Obviously, he battled injuries kind of all year. And uh, so far, he has three goals in three playoff games. So things seem to be going uh, pretty well for him. And I would be curious to see what he looks like in actual games with a speedy center like Stevenson who can keep up with him. Yeah, I I, sorry. I I, I think it's kind of split in hairs if you're going to pick Stevenson or Cousins versus third line or fourth line. I agree with Everything Ben said, I think Cousins and Stevens are pretty similar players. You can play one of them on the third line left wing, the other on the fourth line center. It doesn't really change the makeup of your team all that much. And when they were healthy, when everybody was healthy uh, at the start of camp, Stevenson was on the third line. Cousins was on the fourth. I wrote a story about the fourth line with Cousins in it. And then the next day, Pacioretty got hurt and it got messed up. So teaches me to write about lines. But, uh, yeah, I mean – as far as that goes, Pacioretty's back in your top six, and that's much more impactful than whatever they decide, Cousins versus Stevenson, third versus fourth line. Yeah. So I'll, I'll disagree slightly with Justin, and only in the sense that I, I – I, okay, it's not – like, it's not a significant difference. I get that. But I do feel like Stevenson with that group is a much better fit than Cousins. Um, and part of – so this – and this is something – Maybe you guys can discuss with me a little bit and, and whatever. So a lot of the stats with that third line have been kind of individual and not necessarily a collective, like when they're all together five on five as the third line. Um, yeah, I I mean, I think that – Stevenson probably works better on that line. I think I yeah. like the I, I think I like the speed on the wings between Tuck and Stevenson and then Wah in the middle. Like that line could do that line could skate or could get behind defenses pretty quick. And Cousins is a more physical presence. So yeah, he's probably better tuned to the fourth line. And uh I mean Stevenson has been a I guess a top six forward for this team. And a lot of that's obviously if you're playing with Mark Stone, you're gonna look great. But uh Stevenson's been great since he came over and I think he'd work really good with with Juan Tuck. I think the biggest thing is like Pete DeBoer made a comment about, you know, we need a top nine. We need, we basically said like, we know what we're going to get from the top six. We know what we're going to get from the fourth line. We need production. We need something out of the third. So if, I mean, if that's the case, like I think, I think Stevenson is probably the guy that you start with gives you the best chance to like have you you know, have offense from there. But I think this is where I, I guess maybe to go to my original point where I would counter Justin a little bit is I just think if you're going to compare Stevenson on the fourth line with cousins, I think there's actually a significant difference. Stevenson can do it. He did it in, he did it in Washington, but cousins is that pain in the butt. And I'm so, one of the things I'm really big on is having the, like an identity line, like some kind of just, just rat line. Fourth line, just whether it's physical 
or they they are just an absolute pain in the butt to play against because you're in a series and you're going against them game after game after game and they just wear on you and the media starts talking about it and it becomes a distraction like i i'm such a big fan if i was a coach i'd be like go get me a line like that well here you go here you go dave to your point about those numbers at five on five their uh, possession numbers were dreadful uh yeah yeah cousins one tuck like 18 percent of the expected goals so uh that's that's pretty terrible and if you're gonna break the three of them and a, a lot of that comes from the the Dallas game I guess where everybody was kind of bad agreed but, um, yeah but uh yeah no I mean it's not like they were blowing the doors off so if you want to shake it up sure yeah yeah it, and I, it, I was just gonna say I mean that that that's the thing for DeBoer is does he look at those numbers and does he, he say claims that he does he likes to bring up the yeah. analytics <laughs> with his lines a lot Jeez. you're correct yes. but if he's looking at that and goes they're not working I don't care if Tuck has three goals and Cousins has three points or you know whatever it might be and Tuck's three goals, one was on the power play and one was on three on three at overtime. So Yeah. Yeah. And the so, other and the other goal was his line mates weren't even on the ice with him. I think it was no sec. That's right. It was it was right Marshall after a, it was right after a penalty. You're right. Yeah. So I, I mean the, the those PK switcheroo. Yeah. I mean <laughs> those 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 possession numbers were really weird. Like it it was like a whole roller coaster type of deal. I think it was like they had Against Dallas, it was like one shot on, and then they allowed 11. And then against St. Louis, when everybody had a shot on Bennington, it was like five to two. And then against Colorado, I think it was like four to six or something like that. So, I mean, it, it was it was really up and down as far as that goes. So maybe Stevenson kind of helps in that regard, like I, I would like to think. But it, it was just weird. Like we're talk, we've been talking about the third line for the last three years now of like where are they at come playoff time. And it's like, if this is finally the group, and I mean, we've had, we've seen a mosh posh a of third of line guys that have been on that line, ranging from Cody Eakin to Ryan Carpenter to Tomas Tatar to David Perron to Alex Tuck to whoever. Brandon Eric, Leipzig. Oh, <laughs> R.I.P. How's he doing? Brandon Peary, that was another one. Game seven starter last year, Brandon Peary. I forgot all about that. Um it's just funny to me that if this is finally the group that we say this is the third line that's going to help the Golden Knights actually become that team that has a top nine that can rival any in the league, I, I think that would be extremely hilarious no matter who you put in there between Cousins and Stevenson. But, yeah, I think in terms of analytics, they have to be a little bit better in terms of, you know, possession and whatnot. And, yeah, so. And, again, I'm not one for analytics, and I'm not one to discuss it on a whole, you know, out there level but you look at the basic numbers and you see that they're giving up a lot of shots compared to what they put on that and you're like yeah yeah maybe that's a problem maybe don't do that maybe don't look at the numbers yeah probably (laughs) (laughs) Probably if they're bad maybe chicago will definitely not want to look at a lot of their numbers then heading into this series because uh they were not pretty during the regular season no they were not uh all right series predictions or i mean you want i think we all think vegas wins out so you know, I'll do it this way. How far, how far does this team go? How far did the Knights go in the postseason? Yeah, in, general, in, the, in the postseason in general. Yeah. I mean, I'm not one to make predictions, like Justin said. I mean, I'm definitely in the kind of camp that hockey features a lot more luck than uh, we would kind of like it to. And a lot of times, when people criticize, yep. you know, effort or <laughs> toughness, they're really just criticizing that the pounce, the puck 
just happened to bounce off the crossbar in the wrong way for their team that they love. I'm getting um, that tattooed on my chest, Ben. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, but obviously, like I mentioned before, I mean, I think this Knights team is really good. I think they're really talented top to bottom. And I don't think there's a lot of teams that have the depth to match up with them kind of one through four in terms of lines and one through six in terms of defensemen. I think Colorado is one of the, those teams. And I think if those to meet in a Western Conference Finals, it would be incredible to watch. Do I know so who would win fun. that series? No, I do not, because I think they're very even teams, as the the round robin kind of indicated. But uh, the Knights have a good a chance as just about anybody to come out of the Western Conference. They have a good of a chance as just about anybody to win the Stanley Cup. Does that mean that they will do any of those things? Of course not, because it all depends on matchups and who you get and injuries and a million little things that uh, are even going to be out of their control. But, you know, I will say that I, I think this team definitely has a chance to go on a deep run if things bounce their way. So for all the unpredictability, and I said this, I think, like 52 times on our podcast today with Ben, if I understand it right, if this goes chalk in the Western Conference, they get the Blues. Mm-hmm. In the mm-hmm. in the that's exactly what I was going to say. That's and not, that, that's not that a good matchup. That is a brutal matchup, yeah. especially for all of the easiest path and all of those sorts of things because you figure if the Blues are struggling and then they get to the first round that they probably would have found their game at that point, that's going to be – that's a tough series. Um, if the Knights – if it goes that way or if they avoid that or whatever – I 100% agree with them. Like, it, it, they could potentially Yeah, I, Yeah, I got to go with that. I think and that – Oops, absolutely, sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to say I, I buy the company line that what they did in phase two and what they did in phase three and the preparation – they're not the Boston Bruins. They're not going through the situation with – you know, guys in quarantine and all these sorts of things to get ready for for all this. And you have as little minimal distraction as possible. I buy into the fact that, that they might be ahead of the game right now. Yeah, I think that uh, when you look at this team, like, and with the caveat that this is the playoffs and upsets happen all the time, I think they're demonstrably better than Chicago, Arizona, Dallas, Calgary, and Vancouver. So if they can draw any of those teams in the second round, they're in a good, they're in a good shape. I think they're better than Chicago. Uh, shouldn't have too much issue. I, I think the Blues could be a very bad second-round matchup. And I think having to play the Blues and then potentially the Avalanche in back-to-back series where, in this case, the Avalanche would be playing the Coyotes and then somebody else that's not the Blues um, favors them. Uh, I think, yeah, they, they could absolutely win this whole thing. Um, it's going to be – oh, man. You're, you're hoping, if you're the Knights, that, that you know, Dallas and – maybe loses or Colorado loses so you can get Calgary or Arizona in that second round because I don't despite what the Knights just did to the Blues in a round robin game I'm not sure I like Vegas in the seven game series against the Blues and I think that could be problematic I do think yeah one of the goals for the round robin for the Knights probably should have been can you avoid facing both Colorado and St. Louis could you get them to play each other in in the second round <laughs> obviously yeah um, they weren't able to make that happen but at the same time uh when have we ever seen the NHL postseason go chalk literally every division winner lost in the first round last year so I mean upsets are the name of the game 
in hockey, which speaks to kind of the luck and randomness that we're, we're talking about. So I don't even know if that's something that the Knights will necessarily have to worry about uh, unless it actually ends up coming true, because there's a good chance that won't happen. I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I, I mean, here's the thing. I, I don't think it goes chalk. The only, because at the end of the day, I think Calgary beats Dallas. I don't, I don't know what's going on with Dallas. I have no idea how in the world they can go from being offensive juggernauts last year to literally forgetting how to find the back of the net before the pause. And even during the round Robin, I have no idea. I, it's gotta be a, it's gotta be a schematical thing with them. I think Calgary can probably beat them. And if that's the case, then Calgary draws Vegas, right? If Vegas were to go in the second round. Assuming, yeah. Assuming as long as Arizona doesn't upset Colorado. Right. Yeah. So then if, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see the, the Kachina jerseys in the second round. So if we, if we don't, then we're seeing what St. Louis and Colorado in the second round while Vegas plays Calgary, which would be probably the most idealistic draw for them. If, unless I'm reading the tea leaves wrong here. Um, Hello, Golden Knights, the, uh, the biggest Calgary Flames fans. <laughs> I, I mean, heck, I, I even have Vancouver pulling off the upset against St. Louis, but I mean, that's I, I was going to say, just root for the Canucks. <laughs> Yeah, roof of the Canucks, and it throws the whole thing in limbo if you want maybe, to do that. Maybe Markstrom will figure out that RVH thing or whatever on that post and uh, Ooh, not give up all those, those goals. Right. Brutal <laughs> in game four against the Wild. Man. Failed him out. Man. I got to tell you, there was nothing about that Vancouver-Minnesota series that appealed to me. I think that was the only series I didn't <laughs> watch. So... You know? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. After yeah, it was I mean, better than Florida Islanders. Oh, that I will 100% agree with. I mean, I'm, I'm watching game one. I'm like, you know what? Minnesota punched him in the mouth if they keep doing this for another two games. It's like, well, no, never mind. Here goes Vancouver. It's like, oh, we remember how to score now. But, I mean, I mean, to be fair, that's really the, the mantra of the Minnesota Wild for the last, what, decade? Is just punch How long have the they mouth. been around? 20-some-odd uh, years. Yeah, the uh, late 90s, <laughs> I believe. I- I know this podcast is going up tomorrow, but we're like a little bit away from the draft lottery. And really, the Wild, they need that kid like more than I hope it's the Wild. I do. Anybody they need him. Like, I hope it's the Wild. Guys, I lived in Minnesota for 26 years or 22 years. They don't get nice things. It's not going to be the Wild. (laughs) I think it was the Athletic that wrote something about this clip and play it back to me. In oh. like a half hour as we're recording this, if uh, Gary <laughs> Bettman pulls that that weird half wolf ping pong ball. Oh my but god. I have that not is seen a bear. It. It's I, not a bear. Who knows? It's a weird logo. <laughs> it's so weird. Well what was it? I think the I think the Athletic did like a power ranking of which team should get Lafreniere and which team deserves Lafreniere. And I think the Wild came in too and literally Ben, they said literally what you just said. The Wild have not had anything nice in the draft lottery since they became a team. I think the best they've had is number five overall, and I think that was probably when they were an expansion team. They haven't had anything since then. They haven't had one or two. They haven't had anything in the top ten except for that one year, and it's been, you know – dreaded hell for them ever since so yeah i grew up watching that team from the cheap seats of xl energy arena watching them play the neutral zone trap under jacques lemaire they don't they don't get exciting playmakers they they just try to lock it down and win 2-1 
I, I, I'm very excited for like something to happen this season that this next upcoming season doesn't happen. Kirill Kaprizov goes back to Russia, ends up becoming an unrestricted free agent, signs with Chicago, and then they go and win another cup. Thank you for coming to my wild TED talk. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? It's 2020. It could happen, right? It could happen. We are in the year of anything can happen. But Locked on wild podcast. Oh, oh yeah. That's what God. we're doing right now. Right. But you know what? It would not surprise me if he goes to Florida just because they need to do whatever they can to sell the market. But Minnesota's the most deserving. But I I tweeted it, what, in June when the whole debacle happened and uh, they're holding up the card that has the NHL logo. And I said, it's all fun and games until Lafreniere puts on a penguin sweater. And lo and behold, here we are nearly one month later, and that possibility stands. So. I mean, there is a very significant chance that he's going to Pittsburgh, Toronto, or Edmonton. There's a 37.5% chance he's going to one of those three teams. Yeah, it just feels flawed. Like, you I don't say. I understand that's a lottery and teams can move up, but the fact that it's like playoff teams, basically, you know, I think the highest available team was like seventh or whatever, like seventh worst in the in the overall standings or something. Yeah, it's like teams that were like 17th, 20, 21st or whatever, that have a crack at him. It shouldn't happen like that. It's just it's just flawed. Yeah, well, we'll find out in 15 minutes when uh, – actually, no, we'll probably find out in like 35 minutes because yeah. the draft lottery will start at 3. Uh, Bettman will talk for 15. He'll pull the lottery – he'll pull the ping pong ball out at 325, then do like a juggling act before then. So it's like whoever ball he drops last gets Lafreniere. Yeah, yeah we just did class. six minutes on a podcast. <laughs> we did ball to freeze. Yeah, we just did six minutes on this podcast for something that'll come out that'll already be our finger on the pulse of the media environment. This is, I'm, I mean, you can't say that this show is not innovative. That's exactly what we do. But yeah, we, we went a long time with this, but, and I know Dave had to write like 20 minutes ago, but I do appreciate you guys <laughs> hopping on the podcast. And yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I do appreciate you guys hopping on the show as always. Uh, where can no they find problem. all of y'all and what do you do and where you write your stuff? I write at lasvegasun.com. Um, I'm funny on Twitter at J15 Emerson and uh, come yell at me in my mentions because that does not hurt my feelings at all and make me want to quit Twitter and journalism in general when people disagree with me at all. So I'm not sensitive. It's fine. Ben, what about you? Uh, I am sensitive. So I'll just <laughs> say it. Don't tweet me things at me. Uh, at <laughs> NSGOATS on Twitter. Uh, G-O-T-Z. Uh, you can also find uh, my work and of course Dave's work as well at Review Journal. Dot com. Uh, I'll plug. We've got a special section coming out uh, tomorrow as we're recording this uh, Tuesday, uh, previewing the Golden Knights uh, playoff series with the Blackhawks as well as a bunch of other featurey stuff uh, that we've gotten there. And we've also got our own podcast, the Golden Edge podcast. Uh, please listen to both this podcast and that one if you like Golden Knights stuff. You can listen to all of it. It'd be great. That would be awesome. At the same time. And I'm at David Shane, L-V-R-J-S-C-H-O-E-N on the last name. And you can tweet whatever you want at me because apparently I'm 60 years old and I don't know how to use <laughs> Twitter in the first place. So, you yeah. Know, that. Tweet all the mean things at Dave. All, all the okay Dave. boomer jokes you want, you know, fire away. <laughs> I love you, Dave.
Oh God. And, and for all of you uh, bar patrons out there, if you just wouldn't mind carding Dave once or twice, that would be fantastic. Just to, get that <laughs> just to, just to just either to make, make him just feel, to make good or, feel good just to make him feel good or make him feel good. Honestly, like we should have just turned this entire podcast into a roast of Dave and then like, anyway, the Golden Knights Blackhawks series, you can watch it tonight. That's it for it. <laughs> well, you know, we still have to get Adam Hill on here just to talk about dining tables. That's still in the cards whenever we all get back to normalcy. Don't, don't. Don't, don't give him the don't give him the platform. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Appreciate it as always. Thanks, Danny. Thank you, Danny. Thanks, Danny. <laughs>